On today's episode, we are joined by our very own female footballers operations intern, Sadie Brown. Sadie is a rising sophomore at Claremont McKenna College, where she plays on the women's soccer team and is studying history with a sequence in gender and sexuality studies. This is a great conversation about what recruiting was like during the COVID pandemic, the mental side of the game related to that and entering college, and offers some great advice for players looking to play at the next level. We hope you enjoy. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Female Footballers podcast. I'm Haley Lucas, COO at Female Footballers. We're very excited today to be joined by our operations intern, Sadie Brown. Welcome, Sadie. Thank you. <laughs> We're excited to have you. And as the intro has shared um, about your background, your career, I want to learn a little bit more about your path to, to college soccer and kind of what that looked like. So Take me through like your youth and kind of what made you choose Claremont McKenna. Got it. So um, I've played for Pleasanton Rage um, soccer club my entire life. Um, I was on the second team from first grade all the way to sixth grade um, when I got the opportunity to become an ECNL player. Um, and that was when everything kind of kicked off for me, um, started getting um, seen, and I was asked to try out for ODP and PDP. And from there, um, got added to the regional team, got to travel internationally. Um, and it was, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. Everything was going great. And I had just entered my uh, junior year um, about to get recruited to play college soccer when COVID happened. And so that put that put a little bit of a dent in my recruiting. Um, a lot of it was virtual. Didn't really get to go see campuses. Um, I was talking to a couple of coaches um, on the phone um, and sending them training videos. Um, a majority of it was in small groups or by myself because they wanted to see if I was keeping up with my training over COVID, which was really difficult to do um, as a goalkeeper because kind of needed someone to shoot on you and everything. Um, but then when we started playing again, um, it was difficult because um, California had a lot tighter guidelines um, than other states. So um, getting recruited for college was, it was a little scary. It, was, it wasn't a little, it was definitely a lot scary. Um, I mean, with the added pressure of friends that I'd met over ODP and throughout the clubs with PDP, uh, people had started getting recruiting offers and started posting their recruitment. And so as junior year went on and into senior year and I hadn't committed yet, it was it was a little daunting, um, but I really wanted to pick a place that was good for me, both academically and athletically. And I was I was really D1 or bust. I, I wanted to play at a top tier school, wanted to play at the highest level. Um, my sister was a D1 athlete and I had seen what she had done, how much fun she'd have traveling and playing some really good soccer. So that's where my sights were set. But I also wanted to be at a school that 
would that I would enjoy to be at for all four years. So although I was getting some D1 offers, it's it I, they didn't really seem like the right fit for me. So when I got um, a very nice email from a coach um, at Pomona Pitzer, um, I decided to check it out. It was a D3. It wasn't on my list before. I hadn't even heard of them. Um, but the email was really in depth talking about what she had liked about me, what, how I had played in the game. And it really reached out to me because it was individualistic. So I went down to Southern California where um, there was a kind of a mixture ID camp for Pomona Pitzer and Claremont Mud Scripps, which is the school that I ended up applying to because um, it's a funny thing with those mixed ID camps, multiple coaches are working with you. So um, another thing that was important for me was to enjoy the people I was with, to have a good relationship with the coach. So I ended up talking to both coaches as, as recruiting is you got to keep your options open. So you are talking to a couple coaches at once. Um, and I was interested in both of their offers, but ultimately Claremont had what I was looking for academically, athletically, and it like I haven't looked back since. It was um it was a very difficult decision because it was a D3. Um, but ultimately it had what I was looking for in social departments and academic departments. Like it it fit the criteria, although it didn't although it, it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted soccer wise. It ended up being what I wanted because D3 gets a bad rep. Uh, there are amazing players in D3 and they a bunch of them could definitely have gone D1 or D2. But like we said, like there's other things that are also important rather than just focusing on soccer. So I'm, yeah, that's how I <laughs> ended up at Claremont McKenna. And it was, it was a rough ride to get there, but happy, happy where I ended up. So, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, similar to you, my experience playing collegially, I played at Cal, was a decision based on not just the soccer kind of decision, right? Like my, my mindset going into it. And it's hard to make these decisions when you're young in high school, right? Like when you don't really know exactly mm -hmm. what it's going to look like. Um, but I wanted to be somewhere where if I got hurt, I would be happy, whether that was academically, socially, and kind of all the things they offered. And I think that like the things you've touched on along the way are great advice to players, right? Like it doesn't have to be at the D1 level to get an amazing education and amazing soccer experience. And then there are plenty of, if professional soccer is a goal of someone's, there are plenty of NIA, NAIA, mm -hmm. D3, D2 players that go on to play professionally and kind of have those experiences. Is there any advice you would give to girls going through the recruiting process now? Kind of, I know we're past COVID and I'm sorry you have to deal with stress. I can't even imagine. And we'll talk about the mental side of that in a bit. But is there any advice you'd give or things you would change or glad you did in your recruiting process? So I, there was definitely, there was a learning curve. 
Um, in the beginning, um, there's a lot of hand-holding from your coaches saying, hey, make sure you get those email out, emails out before going to showcases and make sure you do this, make sure you do that. But if you, if you really do want to get recruited, you do kind of have to take it into your own hands. Um, it was some, some advice would be to double check with your, with your club coaches, because your club coaches are the ones, they're your voice. They speak to the coaches, the coaches speak to them because there's a lot of middleman going on there. Um, and I had a lot of miscommunication with my coach and I needed to make sure that there was a, a clear, okay, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. If this coach does approach you, like, what are you, like, I wanted to, I needed to talk to my club coach and be like, what are you going to say about me? Because, or what can I improve on so that you can tell the coach that I am good at this? There has to be there has to be an extra layer of communication to your own personal coach who knows you and can talk to you, talk about you to your college coaches. Um, but that was, that was another, that was another thing that really kind of stressed me out because I was like, Oh my gosh, what is my coach saying about me? Is it good? Right. Um, so it's just what you do and the actions that you take on and off the field really do impact how your college coaches or your future coaches will perceive you. Um, they always going into recruiting showcases, our coaches always told us um, warmups are important. Like they're going to be looking at warmups or the way that you interact with your teammates is important because they're going to be, they want people who are coachable. They want people who are able to communicate and able to adapt to different things. So like if you have a tantrum or if you are all in your head and they can they can see these things. So how you are perceived is important. So it's yeah, it's an important thing to keep up relations and to not only work on your soccer skills but your communication skills and your um not personality but your your overall presence in everyday situations that's an important thing with recruiting so For yeah sure. I think like something that I got feedback on was how strong my communication was like over email and phone I don't know how it is now I'm an old person so I recruited a long time ago but we used to do there were like loopholes where you could call the coach and leave a message they can't call you back but you're gonna say mm -hmm. I'm gonna call again at this time so if they <laughs> If they pick up, you can talk to them. And so like, I just remember sometimes like, cause I started doing this probably freshman, sophomore year in high school and being like, don't pick up, don't pick up, like go to voicemail. Um, just a little nervous, right? Cause you're like talking to a grown adult, but it was those conversations and being really good about communicating over email and being professional at that, that coaches noticed and they commented on. And like mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest struggles, I see it too, but like college kids are not good at email like responding to emails that like those little things, like they pay off as like your job, college, everything. Mm -hmm. They're so important to develop, but like it's that little maturity piece. Sometimes it's like so silly. So any parents listening, don't write the emails for your child. <laughs> you can help proofread and look them over, but like mm -hmm. 
I remember sitting there and my mom's like, nope, you got to like write a draft and then I'll look at it. But like mm -hmm. forcing your kid to do it, like those skills, they're nothing to a soccer, but they say a lot about who you are as a person, which is a small thing, but I think it really pays off. And even the the email to say, hey, thank you for talking to me, but I'm not interested is good because coaches talk. It's a, it's a small community and they're all sitting on the sidelines and like, and so I've had multiple coaches be like, oh, we've, we've talked about you. Like, right. I, I know that you were talking to so-and-so. And then it's like, oh my gosh, how did I leave off my conversation? And so as long as you're, you're nice and you're open about what you're thinking and the way that you're leaning. Um, like I said, I, I left one school that I was talking to, to go to their rivals. And I, I knew I was going to be seeing them a lot for the next four years. So I made sure to have a call with them afterwards and be, thank you so much for everything you've done for me, but this is the direction that I'm headed in, but I will, I'll be across the street from you. So I'll see you a lot. And I've really valued our time together. So it's just a nice way to end things off so that the next four years with your rival team right across the street isn't too uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very true. I like ending on a good note, sending thank yous, all that kind of stuff is so important because similarly, like I was recruited by teams that we played every single year, but like it was that coach is someone I would hug like after, mm -hmm. a game, even though I didn't go there, but we had developed a strong relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's super important on the mental side. And this can be related to COVID and the stress of that. Um, or kind of going through your career up till now, how has the mental side kind of played into your game? Have you ever had issues with anything on the mental side? So yeah, I first started working on the mental side of soccer in middle school when our um, club, Pleasanton Rage, did a program that was that you had to complete every week and it would ask you, how would you react in this situation? Or what would you be thinking about if you got scored on or if you got beat, right? And back then I didn't value it nearly as much as I should have. I kind of, I went through the motions and I was like, okay, this is something interesting to think about, but how, like, but I'm, I'm fine. Like that's back when I was, I was playing for fun and I didn't really see pressure on the field. Like, well, I mean, you see pressure on the field, but I didn't see the pressure in having to win every single game. And I, my team was a middle of the table team. It wasn't, it wasn't at the top. It wasn't at the bottom. So we just, we just kind of coasted by. So I didn't really see any problems with my mental health until college when all of a sudden games started meaning things and winning started to be this like insane pressure on your shoulders that needed to happen. And, um, the honestly the first two games that I had in college were really rough because I I was starting and I was a freshman and I was I felt I felt little compared to everybody else on the team and when I made a mistake and got scored on I went oh my gosh like this is this is a lot to deal with this is a lot to handle and so um I remember being extremely stressed out and extremely like feeling like everything everything was on me everything that happened was all my fault and so I tried to I tried to get over it and tried to tried to be like it's fine another game tomorrow but because I didn't really 
mend what I had already started thinking about, the next game got even worse because I was already in my head and I was already thinking, oh my gosh, what if they score? What if they score? So when they did score, I was like, I was, I was too frazzled to deal with it properly. And so that the first two games <laughs> were a bit rough. Um, I got pulled out at the half, which is unheard of for a collegiate goalkeeper normally you play the full game so that that was a blow and my goalkeeper coach took me aside I started crying I was I was so embarrassed so scared I was like oh my gosh it's my second week of college and I'm already blowing it right um but he was like hey like it's it's okay <laughs> he brought me aside and he was just like you just these are the things that went wrong this is what you can work on go sit in a dark room, think about it, come to practice, new slate. So something that my ODP coach had got us started on was journaling. So we have game logs and you write down, oh, this is what happened. This is what I should have done. Um, this is how I can improve for next time. So I kind of just vented and was like, okay, I see where I went wrong here. I take one step to the right and it's fixed, right? So I made blocks to stop myself from getting too in my head and too frazzled. And uh, by focusing on the things that I could control, I was able to better control myself and control where my thoughts would go and how my body would react to certain things so that I wouldn't freeze up or get in my head. So it definitely improved from there. Um, and now that I'm more aware of how low it could go or how much pressure I could feel, I started having to prepare ahead of time or to really decompress after games in order to be a new slate at practice and be able to rebuild myself so that I'm stronger that the next time it happens. So mental health is important even from from middle school because with those, with those um, early learning blocks, I was able to build on them and not like, I, that was the first time I thought about quitting was first game in college. I was like, I'm not ready for this, but you know, you are, you just need some good support, some, some nice words from your coaches and your teammates who do not blame you nearly as much as you blame yourself. And then you just, you work on it and you're, you're a new slate the next day, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> when you're when you're journaling, are you writing down things related to the mental side of the game, or do you find it more technical and tactical? Definitely both. Um, I for tactically, I would go over game film and I would draw out scenarios of where I should have stepped instead of dropped. Mm -hmm. um, but mentally. I'm writing down my thoughts. I'm writing down, okay, this is what I was thinking in this scenario. And instead I need to be thinking this, or instead I need to be like preparing, like building confidence, uh, making sure that I'm not thinking in order to let my body react instead. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like the, you have the tactical stuff, and then you have the, I'm going to do better next time, the goals that I would set. So I'd be like, okay, this is what happened, but now tomorrow it's going to be a new day and it's going to be better. 
So it was, it just, by doing that, it was mental, if that makes sense. For sure. Like, yeah. Just able to write stuff out and like have that and just that process of reflection. And something you're saying that is kind of key to what we do here is we always talk about confidence being a habit. And like, mm-hmm. you're talking about doing it consistently, right? Like reflecting every practice or showing up the next day and kind of like you're saying, starting with that clean slate. And it is something you have to work on every day, which it is kind of that skill. That's just like the extra technical stuff we do. Like we can't be a good soccer player for in our own way. And, mm-hmm. our, and our mental side of the game isn't strong. And also like how you talked about like starting those building blocks, right? Like for mm-hmm. me, age, I think we see a lot that when you show up at the college level, everyone was the star of their team, right? Like everyone was really good. And now you're in this new environment and you're probably faced with adversity that you weren't before on that mental Mm -hmm. side. And so we try to at least build a foundation of being a good self-advocate for yourself, being aware of your emotions. Like you have great self-awareness, right? Like you're like, okay, I was completely overwhelmed in this game and being able to recognize that and move forward some players just let it stay inside or live and then they can't move on from it. Yes. Really try to work on, but Mm -hmm. it's awesome that you've started to do that. Are there other tools that you use besides journaling on the mental side? Um, my teammates definitely help. Um, I, I had the pleasure of attending a female footballers, um, um, session and they talked about having, um, having a buddy that you could reflect on and throughout um throughout club there was one girl on the team who would come up to me uh one of my best friends on the team would come up to me and she would be like okay like how am I doing like what 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 am I doing wrong and I'd be like you're checking too far here you need to cover left or something right and we would tactically talk about it but on another point I'm reassuring her that she's doing fine she's doing all she can but she needs to fix these few things. So I'm building up her confidence while talking over tactics with her. So by having a teammate to reflect on, because it's not your parents or it's not, it's not, it's it's a teammate you trust because it's not a teammate that's just, oh, you're doing great. You're fine. Like walk it off. You're doing great, right? No, this is someone who understands what I need and understands you need to talk more. And I go, oh, okay, like I get it. It's straight and to the point, but by being straight into the point, it lets me get over whatever whatever thoughts I have that's clouding my mind so that I can focus on one thing that I need to get better. So by having, I like, I'm, my team is great. Um, I was obviously those first two games, I, it was a completely new environment, completely new people that I'd only met a couple weeks ago. So I didn't feel comfortable relying on them or having them trust me back there, which is why there was that disconnect. But later on, I would talk to my center backs who would be always super close to me. And they'd be like, you're doing fine. Like, play the ball here. It's been going great, right? And we're like, okay. So I can focus on what I've been doing well. That way I can better bury the things that have been plaguing me that have been doing not so well. So having teammates being able to back you up is a huge help, both tactically and mentally. Totally. So, yeah. What is something you're looking forward to in this next season? Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to being a returner. I remember I was, cause we're doing plans right now for moving back. And I remember my first time moving in and being so nervous, not knowing anyone. And 
going in knowing some people that definitely like we're talking about confidence that's definitely gonna help me relax a bit and be more confident but then with that I'm excited to step into a kind of leadership role in helping to reassure the younger players and helping to help them establish that same confidence by giving them someone that they do know so it's nice to be to feel like I'm a part of something already that's a good thing to go into um but I'm also excited for the competition I'm excited uh we're getting a bunch of new players so it's a it's a little scary having an incoming freshman class um but it's it's a new hurdle to jump over and my team made it to the finals and unfortunately lost in the finals so that's also something that the entire team's looking forward to is is paying that team back to hopefully crush them and move on to the NCAAs. So I'm looking forward to the competition, but also having a competition in where I have my teammates to back me and support me. And now going in as a sophomore rather than a freshman, I can say I feel more comfortable doing that. Totally. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Um Getting to the NCAA tournament would be very, very cool. Yes. Um, talking about off the field a little bit, first off, what are you planning on studying, if you know, and kind of how has soccer or how will soccer, you think, help you for life after the game? So I am majoring in history with a sequence in uh, gender and sexuality studies. So my main focus is women's history. Um, and, um, soccer has really helped me in the fall by setting up a schedule. Like I knew what time I needed to have my classes done and I knew what time practice was. So I knew when to get things done in order to have like a functional day. And that really helped with my grades by being able to know, like, just have a, have a set schedule. And the great thing about D3 is that we have less of a spring season. So it was it was really tough um, not playing soccer every single day. It was the first time in, in a long time that I, I wasn't practicing every day, but it gave me a good, a good like well-rounded life outside of athletics. And I was able to explore new clubs and I was able to actually consider going abroad. So there are great things that soccer brings to the table, but also there are other things besides soccer that I've now become aware of. So um, in the future, um, I definitely, I want to stay involved with soccer, but I'm leaning towards um, becoming a teacher or a professor um, and soccer has really helped me with things that, like, with things outside of just athletics. It's helped with my confidence. It's helped with my communication, like we talked about. And just leadership, being able to adapt. Um, it's It really comes out in group settings. Uh, we do a lot of group projects in my classes. And being able to organize, being able to, when everybody's silent, just come forward be like okay here's what we're doing right um but it's sports are great for the real world because they really prepare you for dealing with different people in different positions in different ages in life and it's it's not quite as daunting going out 
into academics or going out into a workplace when you've already dealt with a six foot tall person come and get a header against you on a corner, right? Um, but no, it's the great thing about college or I guess high school soccer with playing with people of all different ages and all different ideas and ways of life and majors and everything uh, is that you get to interact with different people and you get experience in talking to people of different ages. So when you go out into the work world, you're able to relate to them or able to just better communicate with them so that you're not always seen as a little freshman or something. <laughs> so, yeah. Totally. And I think also like to the communication piece, like you're the coachability, right? Like a boss is going to really like how you're able to adapt and receive mm -hmm. feedback. I mean, I've had coaches that have screamed at me. And so I'm ready. If, if a boss is going <laughs> to I, of course, you don't like to be screamed at, but you know how to like handle the situation, yes. right? And like work with different types of teammates. You're going to have coworkers that are very different from you mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. But it is funny. I'm similar in group settings with like group projects. It, it, it's very easy to step forward and be like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. When that might not be so easy for someone who doesn't come from that like sports background where you mm -hmm. have to kind of take control and be assertive there. Um, and then the last thing would be, where do you see kind of a two-part question? Where do you see the greatest need for growth in women's soccer? And what are you excited about as women's soccer continues to grow? Um, so uh, like, definitely mental health is a huge thing that soccer needs to become more aware of and more in tune with. And I mean, just talking to um my teammates like burnout is huge and injuries can happen and we need to have backups and the ability to be okay with that or be able to adapt from it so um just like podcasts like this one is huge in encouraging growth and understanding with um the mental health aspect of the game um but on another note um with women's soccer, I feel like it can really grow or become a better, like become overall better by, I guess, treating, like treating people with kindness, like not only like on your team, but on the other team as well. Like um, throughout club, um, yeah, definitely more so in club than I've seen in college. There's been, um, teams that have been kind of like torn apart through like cliques and like girls and I mean it's it's bad to say like there's there's sometimes a lot of drama on teams and so it's it's um it's bad for the flow of the team and it's bad for team chemistry and everything so I just in the future like I've tried to instill like going in as a sophomore with more I guess street cred than a freshman um my uh, teammates and I we want to build a safe space for the freshmen and we want to create a team chemistry that flows both on and off the field so that we're all there for each other and all able to help each other up or whether it's academics mentally physically um we want to build a connection that can last through 
through losses, through arguments, through anything. So that um, soccer is more than just a sport, but it's like a community. So it's like it, it can be hard when a team's lost and it's um, put a lot of pressure on so-and-so making a goal or so-and-so missing a pass and leading to a turnover that led to a goal or something. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you can realize that everyone's friends, everyone's there for each other, everyone's working hard. Um, or if you're playing against a team where one of your friends is on, you can go up to them after the game and give them a hug, even though they just they beat your team and it was a rough game or something. So I think women's soccer, just everybody needs to support each other and be there for one another so that we all understand that it's it's more than just a sport, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think the upperclassmen really dictate what the team looks like, right? Like whether it's yes. school or college, but they set the tone. So if you're an upperclassman, even if you were treated poorly as a freshman, like mm -hmm. you like feeling that way, right? So trying to change that narrative. All right. Anything else to add? I've got a quick like um speed round. Um oh, um, I did have some advice for people going into college awesome. for their Go first for year. Um coming in fit is huge. Um, it's one less obstacle in playing time and just and in being your best self on the field. And it makes a great impression on your coaches. Um, we're currently preparing for a beep test and a mild test and it's it's grueling and it's awful, but I know that if I if I push, I have a better chance of being heard of uh, being seen. And so that's a huge thing for freshmen incoming. Um, and I also um, have advice on branching out, whether it's through different age groups on your team or outside of your team, it's important to make connections to people like not in the athletic world. Uh, because then if you do need a break from soccer, if you do need to step back, you have people to support you and you have people who can talk about um, other things going on that keep you involved in school and the community. Um, and like we've already said, like being adaptable and being coachable. Because um, I know people who go to college and they're thrown into a different position or uh, different playing styles. Like one of my one of my best attributes in recruiting was the fact that I could do a drop kick um like really far I was like getting some assists I was like this is great first week of college they say no more drop kicks only side volleys and I go I haven't done a side volley in my life like what are you what are you talking about and they go nope this is the European style this is how we're gonna do it and I was like okay like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle this head-on still cannot do a side volley 100% but that is my goal for sophomore years to be able to do that consistently so that my coaches go, yep, you're, you're a shoe in, you know, but yeah, being adaptable is a huge one. Those are all awesome. I echo all of them and have nothing else to add because they're very good. Okay. Speed round, just like fun little questions. What's your favorite <laughs> soccer memory? Um, speed round. I'm thinking about it. You don't have to be that fast, but it just, okay. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Um, 
favorite soccer oh, okay favorite soccer memory was probably my last year at rage we were in um at nationals not playing for any big game it was like a consolation game but it was our last game um and we um got into pks um for our um like it was like the it was official pks that was the last thing um and I saved three out of five of them. So that was, that was you know. honestly, probably my favorite memory was getting tackled by my team at the end of that. It was for a game that didn't really have any meaning, but it was on one of the biggest stages in the world for uh, club soccer. And it, it was on, yeah, definitely a good soccer memory. That's amazing. Is there a strategy you have as a goalkeeper when saving a PK? Um, Hips, hips are important. They're going to, show you where they're going um but also diving forward not sideways because otherwise you're never going to get to the ball so making that sure that your first step is forward rather than sideways because if you're sideways you're diving back into the goal and the ball is going to go through anyway so you just got to pick a side and commit yep <laughs> what's your favorite halftime snack oh see i don't really i don't eat at halftime but because, I mean, like, if I get hit in the stomach, that would be bad. Um, but post-game, I love chocolate milk. It's a great recovery snack. Not that it's a snack, it's a drink. But chocolate milk is great. Yeah. Who are your favorite, I guess two parts. Who are your favorite soccer role models and then role models generally? Hmm, um, or it could be favorite player if it's not necessarily a role model. Well, my favorite player is Rose Lavelle, um, which I know is interesting. People are like, what? Not a goalkeeper? And I, I love Rose. Rose is great. And just watching her play, um, she dominates the midfield. I love her. Um, and um, role models. I mean, I have four older sisters who are definite role models. Um, they walk all aspects of life. They all do very different things. So I like to attribute my personality to a bunch of theirs just kind of piled into one so it's nice to have um women to look up to who are doing all different things and loving it and having a great time while doing it so yeah definitely my sisters are my role models so yeah awesome and then do you have a favorite soccer team so I am from the Bay Area, so it was it was very difficult going to SoCal. Uh, I couldn't root for the Dodgers. I was like, no, I can't, or the Clippers or the Lakers. I was like, I'm a Golden State Warriors fan through and through, but I've had the um, – I, I was able to go to um, an LA Angels game um, two times during the school year, and I actually I, I love them um they're my LA team that I need to support I was like I need a team in LA so they're my favorite team at the moment um 11th place is hard but you know we've all been there so hoping that my support through the entirety of the season next year will make them somehow bump into first so yeah <laughs> I'm a Detroit sports fan so I'm used okay. to cheering for mm -hmm. the bottom of every team <laughs> um but yeah Thank you so much, Sadie, for spending some time with us. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, Sadie's working with us this summer. 
um, on operations and helping us grow our organization. We're very lucky to have her. She's doing a wonderful job. Um, anything you want to plug about yourself before we leave? Um, just soccer is great. I love soccer. Soccer is so much fun. And all the other stuff is, is a lot. And if you just focus on why you love the game and how you've gotten to love the game, it'll, it'll steer you right. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot of buzzing going on, but focusing on you is important. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sadie, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye.